everybody. It's me, Wide in the Know, your home for all things racing with me, Tom Brandon, and my man, Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? Uh, doing good, trying to stay cool. It's it's like 100 degrees here, and it sucks. Dude, our weather has been bonkers. I don't know how else to call it. Like, it was 107 two days ago. Yesterday, it was like 86. And I think today it's like 80, it's going to be like 82, but in two days, it's going to be 110. Like, dude, we're on this like ridiculous, like peak to trough with the temperature, man. It's just nuts. So it's crazy. Cause it's like, it's not even really, I, I wouldn't consider officially summer yet. I don't ever remember it being this hot this early into, I'm going to say summer. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, man. I remember. I remember years ago when I was working construction and I was, I was doing new commercial plumbing and I did it for like three or three years, four years, something like that. And, you know, we get to the job site five o'clock in the morning and we're out there working till five o'clock at night, right? Like 12 hour days. You're in just the blistering sun. I'll be down in like, you know, some hell hole armpit of California, like Livermore or Bakersfield or some, shit box like that and you're just dying in this 110 115 degrees and you have to wear pants you have to wear long sleeves you got to wear boots you got to wear a hard hat you know what i mean like just stupid i'll never forget the first summer after i quit doing construction i don't think it got over 100 degrees once like it was like the <laughs> coolest summer we have uh, ever had in california that happening? yeah i was like you've got to be kidding me i could not but i just remember every day i would make a comment about that i'm like this is fucking bullshit man i go really really this we have the coolest summer on record the year after i quit doing construction like it just oh it drove me nuts man i just couldn't believe it so yeah. Thankfully I don't have to I don't have to do that stuff no more except a couple days a week around the house. But anyways, weather aside, a couple of interesting things we got on today's show. Uh big, big win in Sonoma by Daniel Suarez. Definitely want to get into that because that that was huge, uh, to see him finally finally get the win. And I mean, you know, first first Mexican national to win a NASCAR Cup series race. So that's definitely cool. <clears throat> Some other big news out of Trackhouse Racing, which I'm actually really looking forward to in terms of their Project 91, which I think is just How super awesome cool what that? those guys are doing. Yeah, it's so awesome. And then we also got some Extreme Outlaw stuff. And Jonathan Davenport's um, just dominance at Eldora. Do you think he bought a money gun for after Eldora? I would, I would hope so. <laughs> he needs one. <laughs> oh, my God. But before we get into that, we got to cover a couple of things that are going on in the F1 world right now. And before I get into the F1 stuff specifically, I remember years ago, and just hear me out, I promise this is all going to make sense once I get through it. But I remember years ago, I sat down one morning, I was having my coffee before I went to work, and there was this brand new sports show on ESPN. The show was called Cold Pizza. And I remember watching, I was like, oh, this is different. This is kind of cool. You know, like they were doing some things that were pretty cool. Like it was definitely a different type of sports show. And then they were doing some stuff. I was like, this is stupid. They need to get rid of this. And then they had 
in this show, they had this one segment that they called First and Ten. And First and Ten, there was two guys who sat across from each other at a table with a gentleman right in the middle who was kind of like the moderator. And then these two dudes would debate back and forth. And it was like Skip Bayless and Woody Page. Okay, were the two guys who always did First and Ten in the beginning. And I remember watching that. And I remember thinking, I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is so absurd, the stuff that they're talking about. But I'm like, this is going to be huge. I remember that was the first thought that went through my head when I saw the first time that they talked on that that segment, First and Ten. Because it was so absurd, the stuff that they were talking about, that it was one of those things where you're like, this is so ridiculous, it has to succeed. Because this is, it, 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 it could only succeed, right? Like, it, it, it has to. There's no way it's going to fail because it's so stupid, it's got to succeed. Like, that's, it was like opposite world, you know, where you're debating, right? You're five weeks into the NFL season. New England Patriots are four and one. If Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl this year, will he be the greatest quarterback of all time? It's like, dude, that is four months away. How about we wait to see if he gets to the Super Bowl before we talk about him being the greatest of all time if he wins the Super Bowl, right? But that's what we love to do. And now you look at what we have in terms of not just sports, but news media in general. It's nothing but a bunch of ridiculous hot takes. It's not about getting it right. It's how quickly you can get it out there. Okay? We will push whatever we possibly can, and then we will ask forgiveness and apologize later. Most of time, we don't even apologize, right? We don't even ask for forgiveness. We don't even clarify. It's like, oh, that was wrong, but that was yesterday. Here's the here's the facts and details now. Right? Like, that's what we love. You've got a bunch of stupid debate shows on sports that they just argue over and make the most outlandish, ridiculous statements that if anybody else did it, right, if you were talking to your friends like that, they'd be like, dude, you're a moron. Shut your mouth, right? But for some reason, you put do it on camera and it's like, it's epic. I say all that because that is what I thought of after the first race of the F1 season this year in Bahrain. When Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, when Ferrari took the top, right? And Leclerc wins the race, right? First race of the season. And what was it that everybody was saying? Everybody out there. And it was with an exclamation point. Ferrari is back. That's what everyone said. Ferrari is back. Now, understand, when you talk about Ferrari being back, they don't mean like, oh, Ferrari's going to compete for wins again. They were talking about Ferrari is back as in, you know, Michael Schumacher, the most incredible run we've ever seen in not just racing, but in all sports, right? Like, that's what they were talking about. This was the start of a new run. Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz were going to go on and do nothing but sweep podiums, win races, and at the end of the year, it was going to be a Ferrari Constructors Championship with either Leclerc or Sainz standing atop the Drivers' Championship. That's what everybody was saying. After one race, it was only one race. And sure enough, what has happened? Ferrari has fallen off a cliff. They can't even finish a freaking race now. They are doing nothing but grenading engines. They're breaking, and it's not just the it's not just the Ferrari team. 
a lot of their customers, because they have there's a lot of teams out there that run Ferrari engines, right? Haas, right? There's a bunch of teams out there that run Ferrari engines. They too are having problems blowing motors, having mechanical failures with their Ferrari components. And now Ferrari has dug themselves such a hole that I don't think there is any way for them to dig themselves out. Charles Leclerc came out, won the first two out of three races, and since then, I don't think he's finished a race. And if he has, it was, what, Monaco, and he got screwed because of the, uh, what, the stupid pitch strategy by Ferrari. They are falling apart, and it is so sad. Because understand, folks, when I grew up watching Formula One, when I was a little kid, Senna was my man. Arden Senna was my man. I t- I've told the stories before. I used to get a race set every year, like a slot track set. And I always had an Arden Senna car, right? Like that was, that was my man. I even had the Arden Senna video game on like, I think it was Nintendo. Okay. And then when I got older and Michael Schumacher came along, I respected how good he was, but I, it was it got to a point where it was boring. F1 drivers tell stories. Lewis Hamilton tells stories about falling asleep watching the F1 race because Schumacher was winning by like a lap. You know, what I mean, it was just it was a level of dominance that was just ridiculous to to see because it was so one sided, and that's what people thought we were going to see again, and we're not. Ferrari is nowhere near that right now. And when we look at where things are, we're not only seeing Ferrari. And look, Ferrari has made improvements. They have the speed. If they could get the the finishes, we can see them come back. But when they, the next race that they win, when you hear some clown say Ferrari is back, understand he's being a jackass. They're not back. When Ferrari wins a championship, we can talk about them being back. Okay? Because other than that, it's just nonsense. That's all it is. It's just a bunch of first take, hot take crap. Okay? That's all it is. Now, the other thing that is really driving me nuts in the F1 world right now is the whole issue with this porpoising. Now, understand, I don't have a problem with porpoising. All right? I don't. I believe in a sport where you have a but you you hear these big teams complaining about their budget cap right now. We don't have enough budget cap. Inflation is going to eat up our budget cap. Folks, these teams are operating on hundreds of millions of dollars. Do not tell me that you can't figure this out. Give me a break. Many of these teams spent all last year. They like threw in the towel. They weren't even worried about last season. They were focusing on this new car. And now you're telling me you can't figure this out? Bull. Don't give me that crap. That Shut up. And one of the teams really leading the charge on complaining about this porpoising is Mercedes. Now, folks, the level of respect that I have for Mercedes, particularly Lewis Hamilton and Total Wolf, is insane. It's insane. I think what Lewis Hamilton has done as a driver, and you can say whatever you want about him, call him pretty boy, whatever. I, I, I don't care. At the end of the day, to do what he has done, and and I hate making things racial, but you as a black man in a predominantly white sport, and to deal with all the hatred and stuff that he had to deal with coming up, to do what he's done, it is nothing short of miraculous. It really is. 
And right now, Mercedes cannot get a grip on this car. Every time they have a decent finish, what do we hear? Oh, Mercedes is back. They figured it out. And then the next week they come out and what is it? Well, they, they're bouncing like they're on a bucking bowl down the straightaway because they can't figure out this porpoising stuff. And now you got people like Total Wolf coming out and saying that, hey, this is a danger to the drivers and we need to change the rules. And folks, I have a problem with that because that, in my opinion, that is a... Ugh. That is a bitch response. I hate to say that, but that's what that is. When Mercedes came out, when the new engine rules came out years ago with the new hybrid and Mercedes dominated, dominated, right? They created a power plant that was so far beyond what anybody else could create. If you had teams out there pushing it to the max and grenading engines, which they did, were any of the teams saying, hey, we need to cut the horsepower back because we're pushing it too hard and our motors are blowing and that could be dangerous to drivers. And if they had done that, what do you think teams would have said? What do you think Mercedes would have said? Hey, man, figure it out. It's the same thing with this porpoising. Hey, man, don't come at us with, with rule changes, with ride height changes, telling us we all have to run our cars higher because you can't figure out your suspension. That's bull. That's crap. Don't do that. Mercedes, figure it out. Red Bull don't got no problem with porpoising, and if they do, it's not like it's not as bad as you guys. Why do they have to dial themselves back because you guys can't get a handle on it? Well, our drivers are hurting. They're bouncing all the way down the straightaway. Who says that you have to run your car so close to the ground that you're stalling out your rear diffuser and your ground effects and bouncing yourself down the straightaway? Who says you have to do that? Well, we won't be fast if we don't do that. Well, that's the choice that you've made. That's racing. That's the choice that you've made. Absolutely 100%. You ask any driver out there, right? Any driver, I don't care if it's asphalt, dirt, whatever. Go to a local dirt track. Hey, man, the top is fast, but it is super rough. You can win it on the top, man, but dude, it's going to be a handful. That driver's going to be like, all right, send me through the top, man. Let's get her, let's dial her in for the top. Any driver's going to do that. And when they come back and they can hardly move because they've bruised up their guts and their spine has been compressed an inch because they've been bouncing all over the place, at the end of the day, that is the choice that they made. If you can't deal with that, raise your damn car up and figure something out. Don't try to change everything else around you. It reminds me of the story of Andrew Carnegie, right? Andrew Carnegie, for those of you guys who don't know, he's a steel magnate here in the US back in the day, turn of the century, industrial revolution, right? Well, he was at the time, he was the richest man like in the world. Carnegie was so, <laughs> Carnegie was one of those guys where he was, he had like dropped out of school if he even had education in like third grade or something like that, right? And now he was so rich and his handwriting and spelling was so horrible, he didn't want to learn the proper way. He petitioned the government to actually change <laughs> the English language to fit how he writes. All right, when we say that, we understand how absurd that is. That's ridiculous, right? Now, obviously... It's two different things. We're talking about someone changing the language versus rules in, in racing. But when you were the gold standard for a decade, and now you come out, and I have heard nothing but complaining and nothing but reasons why we need to make all these changes other than why aren't you fixing the problem, I have a big problem with that. 
and it makes me angry because I, you guys, I, I think F1 is at its best when we have multiple teams competing for wins. And I was looking forward to this season so much because I thought we were going to have Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull, and potentially even McLaren. I thought we were going to have four teams, you know, competing for wins. And now we've got one who's bitching and wants to change rules. McLaren, I don't know what's going on with them, right? Ferrari can't finish a race because apparently they've got my nine-year-old putting their motors together. And it's just Red Bull. And it's really frustrating when, when I see that type of stuff happening. And the response is, we don't need to fix what we're doing. We need to change what everybody else is doing and what's allowed. And to me, that is a punk move. All right. So, all right, you guys. So I got that rant over. Thank you guys for letting me do get that out of the way. Keith, you still there? I'm here. I'm here. All right, good. All right, good. So now that I got that off my chest, let's dive into the NASCAR race at Sonoma. Now, I got to tell you, I've, I've said it before. I'm not a huge fan of the road racing stuff, although I got to admit this was a pretty good race. Um, I did enjoy it. And I was actually really happy to see Suarez get the win. Uh, what stood out to you um, this week at Sonoma? Oh, uh, man. How fast was Chris Busher? Dude. Like, oh, my God. Like, when I think about the race from Sonoma, that's what I think about. Chris Busher was fast. Was really he was, fast. Man. He was. Kyle Larson was fast too. If he hadn't he, lost, he was an so fast wheel. his wheel <laughs> fell off. <laughs> oh my god, I couldn't believe that man. That seems like a recurring problem with this car. I don't know if that's a car thing or a pit stop it, thing. I think or it's what. a pit stop thing. I mean, it's got to be a pit stop thing, right? I think so. You know, who was it? Chase Elliott who had the problem in the pits with his. Like they didn't have yeah. the lug all the way tight and they had to bring it back. So I think it's a pit stop thing. I, I, These guys I think, just pushing it too hard. I think that's got a lot to do with it because if if we were on the old lugs, you could leave a couple loose and it'd be no big deal, or miss a lug and it'd be no big deal. Now they're they're trying to get the fastest pit stop ever. It seems yeah. like, and they're just leaving it either a little too loose or not a, on it at all. Yeah. Yeah, and it because it's almost it's, it, it, it's almost like every other race. All right, somebody's going to lose a wheel. It's not when, it's if. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of who it's going to be. And unfortunately, I think, I think it's gotten to a point to where NASCAR needs to step in and be like, "All right, look, we don't care about the fastest pit stops. Somebody's going to get hurt." Yeah, yeah, yeah you can't you can't have wheels flying. Yeah, off like that, that and that's where my issue is because if a wheel falls off in the middle of a racetrack, somebody hits it, and you don't know where it's going to go. Then them tires are pretty heavy; they're not light by any means, and if it hits somebody, it could kill them. Yeah. Well, and imagine if you're at a imagine you're at a track like Vegas or Kansas or even Bristol, right? And you got a wheel. Bouncing down the straightaway at 120, the wheels going 120, 130 miles per hour. And it's hit. And the thing doesn't have to weigh that much to hit somebody and kill them. No. So, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right, man. I think that's a pit stop thing where these guys are just, they're pushing it, trying to save 
well, every it, hundredth of a second and it's costing them. And in excuse me. So what I've noticed too with this new car. So last year you could have a slow pit stop and lose one spot, maybe two, and be able to get it right back. With this new car, you're losing five spots and then you're not getting it back because it's hard to pass with these cars. And it don't matter if you're at a road course or a short track. It is very hard to pass in these cars. So, yeah, I feel like the, the pit crews are trying to rush it so they don't lose that much-needed track position. Because we've seen it with Kevin Harvick at Sonoma. He probably could have won that race because mm-hmm. it came in with Busher and then had an issue. And yeah, and it just it sucks. The, 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 yeah. the pit stops now this season matter more than they did in seasons past. Yeah. And I think the biggest, I think the biggest reason for that is, and you know, Danny Hamlin said this when he was talking about, you know, the shifting at Martinsville, right? How, how the shifting could overcome mistakes. And that's the thing is you don't get punished for your mistakes on the track. Like you used to, it's very easy to overcome those, right? Like if you, miss a breaking point or you miss your line, it's very easy to overcome where before, right? If someone was behind you and they were faster than you, they could just get around you where now that gap has been narrowed because of the fact that there's just so many other ways for you to over overcome those deficiencies. And look, all these guys are in the cup series, so they obviously know how to drive. They've obviously got talent. And, and look, I am somebody who wants the the race to be in the driver's hands. I don't I hated it when it was so car dependent where you could see that the guy in second place was better that day than the guy winning the race but just couldn't get around him because of, you know, dirty air or something stupid like that. So I I don't want us to return to that. But I also don't want it to be where well hey man, you can completely screw up and as long as you can downshift or do whatever, right? Make yourself really wide, right? Take up, you know, take the air off someone's side or whatever it is, now they can't get around you. So yeah. there's definitely a balancing act that NASCAR needs to to work on there. And I think they will, you know, they're, they're constantly making slight tweaks to these cars and they're getting more and more data. I think this year, um, you know, for the bad stuff that they've had, there's been a lot of good that we've seen come out of this year with it, good races and stuff like that. I do think next year will be much better. I expect there to be more changes and I think there's going to improve the racing. And I'm with you. I think there's going to be a, a boatload of changes next year. Because, I mean, they're all still learning. The teams are still learning. NASCAR, hell, even NASCAR is still learning the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, another thing that sticks out at Sonoma, and and I keep coming back to it, even when I watch the highlights, Michael McDowell. Can you imagine that he actually ran in the top five the whole race? I know. Consistent. That is crazy. Yeah, it, it's, it was... Uh... And, it was surprising. It was very surprising. So what it what it tells me is when we go to the next road course, and I think it's what Road America, and two, yeah, Road America, Michael McDowell and Chris Busher, it could be really fast, and that's and mm-hmm. that's surprising for for me with Chris Busher and both McDowell, two teams that struggled majority of the season. I mean, Chris Busher's shown speed flashes here and there, 
but not on a consistent basis where it's like, oh, RFK is finally getting it together. Yeah, exactly. I I think I think Chris Bush will have a good chance to win. I think Daniel Suarez will too. And and what I said last week, Trackhouse has shown that they're they're not a Trackhouse; they're a powerhouse for two absolutely. They're they're really flexing some serious muscle. They are, and it's been impressive to watch. And I was really happy to see Daniel Suarez get the win. I thought it was really cool to see him win. Um, I mean, obviously, if you guys watched the race or have seen any of the news, it's been all over the place. He was the first Mexican national to win a Cup Series race, right? You know, what was it, 2000? 16 god i hope i'm getting that year it was either 2016 or 2000 it has to be 16 2016 yeah so he won the xfinity championship i believe yep. in 2016 yeah and you know at the time he was the first mexican national to to win that and understand for those of you who don't know much about mexico uh motorsports is not a big deal down there okay no. not at all no. it's not all right um, you know, and for, you know, yes. And I know your people are, you guys are probably like, Tommy, dude, you're white as a ghost and from California. Yes, I am. Okay. My, my Irish Scottish ancestry <laughs> did not grow up in Mexico, but my wife is from Mexico. All right. She was born and raised in Mexico. We go to Mexico every couple of years. We have a house down there. Okay. Let me tell you the one thing I've never seen a racetrack. They're not down there. I I don't know how Daniel Suarez got into racing. I really don't. They must have racing in his area over in Monterey because we're in my wife's neck of the woods, which is a few hours away from Monterey, and we've been in a wide range around where my wife's from. There, there there's no racetracks. There's no go karts. There's no nothing. No, there's nothing there that says racing. And and you know what makes it even better that Daniel won. So the last time he won anything was that Xfinity championship. Mm -hmm. Then he gets rushed into the cup series because Carl Edwards retiring. Yep. Exactly. And then somebody else gets rushed to the cup series and, and Daniel Suarez gets kicked out of JGR and Toyota in general goes to Stuart Haas and everybody's like, all right, that that's probably a better place. Cause at the time Stuart Haas was very, very dominant. Mm hmm struggles there gets kicked to the curb once again track house takes a gamble on daniel it paid off last year they they showed a lot of speed last year yes they did daniel was was fast at times fast at places where you were like oh wow wow okay and then they pick up ross chastain and then it at that point it was a head scratcher for me because i'm like oh got kurt bush out there you want to you want to at least have a veteran presence around Daniel to help guide him. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And then Ross takes off. Daniel kind of struggles and it's kind of like, all right, is Daniel in the right place? And then he finally wins at Sonoma. And man, it was awesome to watch. It was, I was hoping Harvick would have had something at the end if his pit crew didn't fail him, but they did. Yep. They did. Um, Harvick once again, yeah, he's been close, but just hasn't hasn't been able to close the deal. Uh, you know, he he's still able to pull off a top five finish. He was fourth, so you had Suarez in first, Buescher second, McDowell third, Harvick fourth, Austin Centric rounding out your top five, and then you had 
Blaney, Chastain, Elliott, Byron, and Keselowski in your top 10. So, yeah, it was a good race, man. It was and, cool to see. And even seeing Brad Keselowski in the top 10. Yeah. Like, what the hell's going on here? Because RFK has struggled a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's every 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 race. They, they have something happen to that team. And it was a good weekend for, for RFK. Probably not as good as Daniel Suarez's weekend, but... No. No. So, yeah, it was a good weekend for Suarez, good weekend for Trackhouse. But, uh, but sticking with Trackhouse here, big news out. Uh, so, Trackhouse owner, they've got this new thing that they're calling Project 91, which essentially is them trying to open up opportunities to get other drivers to come over and race in NASCAR events. Um, he talked to Corey LaJoy on Corey LaJoy's podcast, uh, stacking pennies and was explaining it. And one of the things that he said, which is really, um, really smart, um, and very, very true is, you know, for years, you know, you would see these, you know, when we would have the road courses, right? You would see the road course ringers who would come in and run those races. You know, you got the Boris Seds of the world, right? The Robbie Gordons, those types of guys who would come in, run these road courses in the old style cup cars. And they would do pretty well, but for the most part, they never really won. And the reason is, is because those cars were so unique. They're unlike anything else out there, Right. I don't care if it's on a road course. A NASCAR Gen 6 car is nothing like a GT3 car. It's just not. There's nothing on it that's the same. Not one thing, right? Except they both have a throttle, a brake, and a steering wheel. Other than that, they're completely different. Well, now you've got this car, this next-gen car, which shares many similarities to these other types of cars, right? And even though a cup car does not look like a F1 car or have a similar suspension to an F1 car, the dynamics of it and the way that they react are similar. And that's a huge thing because when you talk about independent suspensions and all these different things like that, ground effects, rear diffusers, front air dams, that type of stuff, you're now talking about something that, yes, is shaped different, is heavier, doesn't have the power, but in terms of the physics, the dynamic of it, it is the same. Or I shouldn't say the same, but similar. And so with Project 91, they're going to be bringing over, hopefully, F1 drivers or drivers from different sports to try and race NASCAR. And for their first race at Watkins Glen, they're going to have Kimi Raikkonen running in the car, which I cannot tell you I how excited I am about that. First of all, Kenny Raikkonen is one of my favorite race car drivers of all time from F1. And it's it, obviously he's a, he was an awesome driver. He's a former world champion, but I just love the dude's interviews. If you want to have, if you want to laugh, just go watch some of Kenny Raikkonen's best interviews on YouTube. I promise you, you haven't seen too many drivers who talk to the media like this. It's great. So I'm really looking forward just to seeing how he talks to <laughs> NASCAR uh, media, and and you know when he gets over here, and you know what's <laughs> awesome about that is this 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 ain't his first time in NASCAR. No, it's not. He's uh-uh. he's Kim, made Kimi Raikkonen has ran other stuff before. Yeah, I think he's made two other starts. He he ran a truck race at Charlotte, and I think an Xfinity race at Charlotte. And he was he was decent. 
yeah, struggle. No, nah, he time, can drive, but yep. he he proves that he could uh, wheel the hell out of a race car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see it. I can't. Me wait. too. I'm really looking forward to it, especially a track like Watkins, Watkins Glen. So yeah, that'll be fun. So definitely something to look forward to here in the coming weeks. Because yeah, we've got Nashville Super Speedway this coming weekend. And after that, we go to Road America. So, and, so yeah, congrats to Daniel Suarez, man. And while we're while we're on the uh, the NASCAR stuff, there's a bunch of rumors circulating Kyle Busch. There, there's a there's a whole bunch of rumors, and and one of the predominant rumors is Kyle Busch could be headed to a new team next season, and a a team that will um, shock. Probably the racing world. There's there's a bunch of rumors circulating that he could be headed to Stuart Haas. I have heard those rumors. I was actually reading some stuff before the show today, um, trying to figure out what's going on because JGR they've got you know two drivers really that their futures are. Not set in stone. Kyle Busch and then also Martin Trucks Jr. Yeah. Now, Truex is more along the lines of he's talking about kind of retiring, you know, um, calling it quits. He has made it known that he is not a big fan of this car. <laughs> Doesn't seem like he wants to really and, drive it. And his stats on track this season have shown that he's not a big fan of this car. Yeah. So, you know... um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there because so, obviously with with Ty Gibbs, right? They 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 want a spot. They need a spot to move him up to. And and I know Joe Gibbs came out and said, "Well, he's going to run another year in Xfinity." He also said the same thing about the two other guys that were rushed to the Cup Series, Eric Jones and Suarez. Yes, and, exactly. And they weren't just rushed; they were really rushed. Yes. And and I, well obviously Carl Edwards retiring. Yeah, and, and, and that really threw it. a big wrench into it. But now comes a time where Kyle Bush may not have a sponsor going into next season. The ten car is fully funded. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, with Gene Haas and his very, very deep pockets. Because I, I would go on a limb and say him and him, Pinsky and JGR probably has the deepest pockets, but fortunately for Haas, he owns Haas machines. Yes. And and if I'm Toyota, I don't want Kyle Busch to leave. Why? Because t- Kyle Busch also has an Xfinity team that operates with Toyota for the development and a truck team. But if I'm Ford, knowing that I don't have any development teams in Xfinity or trucks for the most part. I mean, there's Fords there, but they, they've really fallen off the side of the earth. I like the Ford yes. the Cup Series. But if I'm Ford, I'm like, okay. We need Kyle Busch. We need Kyle Busch as much as he needs us. One, for those two lower-tier teams. Plus, Kyle Busch still has a lot left in the tank, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. But like, he's not... How, it's not like he's fallen off. How crazy would it be? Because Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick, they don't really get along. I mean, they do now. But they... I mean, even then, they still kind of don't. How crazy would it be to see them two as teammates? In 2023, that's if Kevin. Perfect I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. And that, that's another question mark. Do you, 
Kevin Harvick was supposed to retire last season. And he's like, well, I'll give it two more years. With the struggles this year, does he retire now? Because he hasn't won in, in two years. Yeah, after that dominant season that he had, he hasn't done much since then. It, it's almost like the Jimmy Johnson effect is hitting the four mm-hmm. car, and, and it sucks because I know, Kevin Harvick's my driver. I, that's who I really love. And eh, If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. But I, I, I thought it was interesting because i just seen an article posted today about yeah. the Kyle Busch and Stuart Haas rumors. Yeah, the silly season's definitely taking hold in NASCAR, man, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be well, interesting and, to see what happens and, with Kyle Busch. And silly season is fun in NASCAR because, I mean, you, you have a, I'm going to say the 10 could be a top ride. You got one of the better cars coming open. Yes. And it, you don't have that many free agents in the Cup Series, so it's kind of like, all right, I don't wonder who could go there. And I, I'm going to say my dark horse this early in the season is Corey LaJoy to take over the 10. I would actually like to see that. Me too, because he's shown some good flashes in the seven car this season. Yes, I would like to see Corey LaJoy in a in a more established ride. I think that would be um uh, a good a good litmus test for him, you know. Because even though this car has really leveled the playing field, there's still separation with teams. Oh, you can still see it. You can you, coming into the season I was like, damn, so uh, live fast might have some good opportunities and I don't even think they've finished a race so far. Yeah. It... <laughs> and, and then Rick Ware, they, yeah, they're Rick Ware. Exactly. And, and you can just see the separation from teams that have money to teams that don't have money. Yep. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the drivers um, because there are definitely some guys who've got the potential to be um, going to different teams, moving up. I mean, along with you got, you know, Ty Gibbs, who, yes, they said might be staying another year, but you've also got, you know, Tyler Reddick. I mean, his future's in question. You've got Jane, uh, Zane Smith, Noah Gregson. They've been talking about him coming to the Cup Series. Eric Jones, you know, all these different things. So and, and it'll the, be interesting to see all the all the movement if it happens and where where it happens too. Absolutely. And there's still rumor that Denny Hamlin could add a third car. Mm-hmm. There, there's a rumor that Dale Jr. could be coming to the Cup Series. And it just, I love silly yep. season. It, it makes everything a little more interesting outside of the racing. It does. It's actually one of the smarter things NASCAR has done. Because if you look at the NFL and the NBA, what makes those two sports such a big deal is the fact that the NFL season is never over. As soon as the season ends, right? As soon as we crown a Super Bowl championship, a champion, what are they talking about? They're talking about the The draft draft, and the uh, free agents, right? And the trades and the off season. It's nonstop. NBA is the same way. Before we get away from the NASCAR thing, could you imagine... So say if NASCAR operated a little bit like the MLB, NFL, and NBA, where you could trade drivers, you know how crazy that would be? That would be awesome. Like wake up in the morning and see where Kyle Busch has been traded to Aspire. I actually think that is something that we could see in the future 
if, and, and, and here's the big if, if the money structure is changed with the way NASCAR works, yeah. because right now you have sponsors who are attached to drivers and teams can't give that up. Right. So, you know, the, everyone's talking about how Mars is leaving Kyle Bush and NASCAR. Right. So JGR, they're not going to trade Kyle Bush and lose Mars, right? Because Mars is attached to him. Unless they're getting back another driver who has an adequate sponsor to to match that. That's that's the only thing yeah. where it would that's the only thing that would make it a problem. Now, if they made it to where look, the sponsors are with the teams and not the drivers, and now you're just plugging and playing drivers and the money structure changed because right now that's the biggest problem is you've got a sport that essentially runs on sponsorship money and the sponsorship money is nowhere near what it needs to be. Denny Hamlin said in an interview that they have, I want to say like 23 primary sponsors or something like that for Bubba Wallace this season. Yep. I mean, that's insane because look, the day, the days of having that, iconic car are gone are gone you'll never have that again with the current with the current model the way that it is right you knew every week when you went to the track that there was going to be that Goodrin Chevrolet Chevrolet right or the DuPont Chevy of Jeff Gordon right or Rusty Wallace in his Miller Lite car or you know pick your driver right Alan Quickie in the Hooters car Davey Allison in the Haviland car right because there was a sponsor. They had secondary sponsors, but that primary sponsor, and that was their car, right? I mean, what do we, when we talk about one of my favorite drivers, Harry Gannett, right? It was the Skull Bandit car, right? It wasn't the Skull Bandit and Goodyear Tire and, you know what I mean? Name off your 15 other sponsors. It was the Skull Bandit car. Yeah. And those days are gone because you can't have a primary sponsor who just comes in now and it's like, oh yeah, we'll pick up the tab. It's just it's just too much. So one thing that I did just notice when I was I was looking at driver and team charts, every JGR driver other than Denny Hamlin's deals are up after this year. Same with RCR. I know. Yeah, there's I a lot know, of them. Um, Tyler Reddick has an option for next year, or the team has an option. But after looking at it, every driver for JGR, their deals are up. So it almost makes you wonder, all right, M- MTJ's deal's up this year. Kyle, MTJ's been hinting at retirement. So say he does retire, yeah. you bring Ty up, and then you lose the lose Kyle, if if it all even works this way. Who who even knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, We're just having fun and speculating right now. And, and <laughs> then you get put in a spot of, all right, who do we put in the 18 now? Mm-hmm. It just makes it interesting. It makes the, the middle of the season towards the off season very interesting. It does. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's 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 a lot of fun. Like you said, silly season makes it a lot of fun. Because this type of stuff was never talked about before. No. It was never... The first time that I remember it being a big deal was Casey Kane when Casey Kane was going to be up at the end of the year and he ended up signing, you know, every team wanted him and he ended up signing with Hendrick. And then after that, it was Dale Jr. When he was going to be leaving DEI. And that was the first like huge 
where it was, you know, where's he going? Yeah. Who's he going to drive? With? You know what I mean? Like that was the first time that it was a really big deal. And since then, now we've got this silly season. Yeah. And, and, and it kind of, after Dale Jr. Left, it kind of, yeah, I mean, you didn't see them big moves. And then 2014 or 13 comes around and Kevin Harvick announces, I'm leaving Richard Childress racing. I'm going to a brand new team at Stuart Haas. We're building everything from the ground up. And mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, God, I wonder what he's going to do. And he just shows that he was a better driver than what Richard Childress's cars were. Yep. And uh, yep. unfortunately, he showed that Richard Childress was actually holding back. Yeah. Which was unheard of at the time. Yeah. No one would have thought that. No. Nope. So. So, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see what happens. I'm looking. I'm actually, it's one of the things I'm looking forward to this summer. We'll be, we'll be talking about it. Definitely. So, but before we wrap things up, because we've been going quite a while here, we got a a couple more things to talk about. Um, First and foremost, uh, our man, Brady Bacon got the win at Lake Ozark in the extreme outlaw series, put on a heck of a run, man. Um, uh, did you get a chance to see this race, Keith? I watched uh, bits and pieces of it when I could. Yeah, it was a good race, man. So our, our boy, uh, Baloo, the madman jumped out to an early lead. Um, he was, he shut he everybody was away as the madman. <laughs> yeah, he was flying. And then, Brady Bacon, man, he had that bottom working. He was one of the only people on the bottom, really. Surprise. Yeah, Mr. and Price. he had it working, man, and he got the lead. Um, Baloo and uh, Swanson ended up getting together uh, and then getting together again. So uh, Baloo ended up finishing, I think, like 13th or 14th. Swanson DNF'd. But Bacon took the lead and was pretty much gone. Um, there was a... a, a for a brief moment, it looked like maybe Westfall or CJ Leary had a chance. I mean, CJ Leary definitely made his way through the field. He put on a heck of a show too. He started, I think, 14th um, and finished third. So he moved up quite a bit. So awesome run for him. But yeah, Brady Bacon got his first extreme outlaw sprint car win. It was a really, really cool race at Lake Ozark. And then on the other side of things, on the dirt, Jonathan Davenport laid down a just ass whipping raid a ass whipping. Oh my God. That dude was off the hook, man. He was so good and so fast. Now me and you were talking about this before we started the show today. McCready showed signs, man. He looked like he might've had a chance. Unfortunately had that blowout on the right rear. But ultimately, I don't know if anybody was going to beat Davenport, man. That he There's just no. was the class of the Not field the whole night. Yeah, Not he was so good, and I don't so good, and I don't think anybody was going to attempt to move him. I mean, no, late in the race, you got to do what you got to do to try to get the win, especially for that million bucks for that purse, yeah, million dollars. I mean, for a race team, winning a million dollars is big it's huge oh my god that's enormous and uh, i mean enormous jonathan davenport he put it on him went and bought a dollar machine and shoot millions everywhere <laughs> yeah it was uh it was a good race man um uh, i was awesome. i was thoroughly impressed and like i said jonathan i watched jonathan davenport at the world finals last year 
literally make everybody else on the track look like they were Bush League drivers. They I had never thing. seen, <laughs> yeah, I had never seen somebody just be that much better than everybody else on the track. It was really something to behold. And once again, big race, and he shows out and puts it on him and brings home the win. So, congrats to him, man. Obviously, oh, to win a race like that, that's just huge. To win a million dollars, you know million dollar event on dirt is incredible and and that's the that's the cool thing you don't you don't see million dollar races you really don't not not in not in today's time of racing and and to see davenport just come out and dominate i think he led every lap maybe a couple that he didn't lead but still he he opened that stone cold steve austin can of whoop ass on everybody <laughs> yes he and, did man yes he did flex some serious muscle i know there's points in time in the race where it was like all right does he even have enough tire left because there for a while he had like a seven second lead eight second lead and then mccready just started rolling some hot bottom and and caught him and then fortunately for mccready when he blew right rear there was only five cars on the lead lap Yep. So it ain't like he went all the way to the tail. Now, if he would have done that 15 laps earlier, I think it, I think we'd probably, maybe could be talking about a different, different winner. But congrats to to Jonathan Davenport, man. That that was good to see. Yeah, it was, man. He uh had a had an incredible run, brought it home, and um yeah was uh was the man to beat. And when you can uh when you can get the win in that kind of event. Like you like we were talking about in a million dollar event. It's, uh, whew, it's amazing. So I could, one can only imagine. All right. So you guys, that's going to do it all for this week's podcast. Now we'll be back next week. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week. I wanted to make sure I was like, God, what, what's the date? I lost track of the date there for a second, but we'll be back next week. Now you guys, before we go, um, please keep doing what you're doing. Keep sharing the show, uh, download, subscribe, all that stuff like that. Um, it's been a huge help and, um, we've been able to, I've actually been able to talk to a couple of different people, potential sponsors and stuff like that. Um, and obviously that's a, that's a huge, big deal for us. So, um, we'll see if anything comes of it, but yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, growing the show, man. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, just keep on Absolutely. doing it, man. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back here next week to do this all over again. All you dads out there, have yourself a good Father's Day this weekend. Try to uh, try to enjoy the day with your uh, with your little ones, which means for most fathers, they'll be out doing something by themselves. But <laughs> but uh, anyways, that'll do it all for us. As always, everybody have a great weekend. Take care.